She's a retired sheriff's sergeant. Before going into law enforcement, she was abducted and raped. And she's here to tell her story, how she overcame the effects of trauma from that horrible attack and her career in law enforcement. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Who can first responders turn to when they need help? Shatterproof at FHE. Providing world-class, exclusive treatment services for first responders suffering from exposure to trauma, PTSD, anxiety, depression, and or substance abuse. For free 24-7 information, call 833-776-1420. That's 833-776-1420. Online at FHEHealth.com. Under programs, you find details about Shatterproof. Contact us from Texas. We have Janet Teague on the phone. Janet is a retired sheriff sergeant from Texas, and she is also author of the book Bible and the Badges and one of the major shakers, moving shakers for Hope and Healing for Warriors at HopeAndHealingForWarriors.com. Janet, thanks so much for your service, and thanks for being guest on Law Enforcement Today's show. Very much appreciated. Thank you, Jay. It's an honor to be here. We, we are not a stranger to having very tough conversations this show. And reason why is, number one, I always say this, the, the news media, for example, if an officer is shot, they'll say the injury is not life-threatening. That's good news. And they never talk about what happened afterwards. And when people are victimized by criminals in particular, they go into a little bit of facts, but they never talk about the backstory. They never talk about what happened to the people, how it impacted them. That's the main reason we do this show. And Janet, you are a perfect example because you were abducted and raped prior to your law enforcement career, weren't you? That's correct, uh, Jay. Uh, uh, Before law enforcement, when I was in my early 20s, I had pulled into a local mall parking lot in Houston, and I had uh, received a new fire engine red uh, Plymouth Grand Fury, and I was wearing a new uh, beige pantsuit. And and later, after that day, after what happened to me, I never wanted that car, and I never wanted to see those clothes again. I opened the door to get out and reached over to pick up my purse, and when I turned back, I saw a guy. He was bent down with a large steel butcher knife, approximately seven inches long, and he demanded to me, you move over. He grabbed my left arm. He got into the vehicle, and we we drove down Interstate 45 North, and he kept the knife in my uh, side, and he kept saying, if you try to jump, if you try to get out, I'm going to kill you. As we passed other vehicles on the highway, I was praying. I was just praying, someone, please notice me. Doesn't anyone see me? And he continued to drive. We went down to a rural farm area, and he backed backed into the woods off the road. And he was poking the knife slightly into my side. 
He had actually kidnapped me at knife point, held me against my will in my own car, and he sexually assaulted me. And it was all about power. It was all about control. It happened about 10 a.m. in broad daylight. And I studied his face. I wanted to identify him. I was praying that I would live through this. And he was mostly very wimpy and kind of a geeky type guy. And and there was a Bible on the dash of my car. And uh, there was a revival that had happened that week at my church. And he said, why is that there? And he moved it, throwing it on the floorboard. And I started praying, and he started yelling, what are you saying? What are you saying? Shut up. He said a lot more, but it's, yeah. it's not repeatable. Well, I, I appreciate and, that. For FCC rules, there's a lot of things we can't put on the air. And, and one of the questions I have, you, you mentioned many times, in that that you were praying and you know hindsight's twenty twenty. there's things i'm sure you thought to yourself man i could have done this different i could have done that. the, the, the mm-hmm. truth is you didn't do anything to deserve this you didn't instigate this and that's a mindset a lot of people need to get out of the victims in particular but not always the victims other people that so-called mean well did you find you looking back saying man i could avoid this or if i hadn't done this i hadn't done that maybe it wouldn't have happened Oh, absolutely. Over and over and over in my mind. What if I had done this? Why, why did I turn to get my purse? Why didn't I just get out? And so while this was happening, I was praying in, in my mind. And with the tears were just streaming down down my cheek. I wasn't speaking it at some point, And I was just praying in my mind that, you know, it's okay to cry. It's okay that prayer can be in tears. And I was just praying, Lord, give me an opportunity to run. Just help me, Lord. Give me an opportunity. Then it happened. He got out of the car. And I was able to escape, and I was able to get away, but I had to run naked through the woods. And I could hear him. I could hear him. He was he was yelling. He was screaming, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And I ran, and I ran, and I ran. And it felt like I was running 100 miles an hour. At first, I didn't want to stop, and I didn't want to turn, and I just kept going. And I came upon what was possibly a hunter's shack in the woods, and there was a man's one-piece insulated parka that was hanging on the outside. And I was bleeding, and I was was running, had been running through the woods, and there were sharp thorns, and there was mesquite trees, and there were briars, and but I, I just kept traveling, and 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 I would stop, and I would listen, and I would continue until I heard, actually heard a tractor, and I came to a hay field where there was a man, and he was cutting hay. So I was able to wave my arms, getting this man's attention. And he stopped the tractor, and he took he took me actually to his wife in, in their home that was nearby. And I was able to call 911. And Houston Police Department dispatched units along with a helicopter to try and locate this subject that was driving my vehicle. The vehicle was found, and it was parked back at the mall's parking lot. It had some of my clothing that I had been wearing, and the front seat of the car had extensive damage where he had just brutalized and, and cut with deep cuts into uh, 
the leather seats with deep, long, link cuts. The Houston Police Department officers and the detectives that came and they, they worked my case were very professional. And I discovered later in my police career that there's a lot of officers that they don't want to work these kinds oh, of things. they're difficult. Crimes. They're so tough. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk about it in a moment. One of the things that jumps out at me, there's actually two things. And people listening and say, well, why would he drive back to the, to the shopping mall and park in a similar spot? Because he had to get to his vehicle to make an escape. That's why he returned. Uh, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Secondly, I'm going to backtrack. You said many times I was praying, I was praying. Were you in, and this is a legal term we use in court and law enforcement knows it. Were you in fear for your life? Did you think you're going to die? Is this gonna, guy going to kill me? Absolutely. From the very beginning, uh, I just, you know, I, I was praying, Lord, just let me live. Give me some opportunity where I can get away for an escape. And I was watching and waiting for any kind of opportunity. And so, um, you know, um, I was traumatized. It, you know, it, it's it's just hard to believe what some people can do to other people. And um, being forced by this monster who uh, took souvenirs from my clothes. Which and, is not uncommon. And, we're, we're talking with mm-hmm. Janet Teague on the Law Enforcement Show. Janet uh, was abducted and, and raped, sexually assaulted, then went into a career in law enforcement. And she's going to talk more about what she went through before and in law enforcement and how she uses that to help others today. This is the Law Enforcement Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. When your job is responding to emergencies and you can only take what you can carry, what do you pack? Good mental health may be the last thing that comes to mind, but it's also critical PPE to have with you in any situation. At FHE Health, we specialize in treating first responders' unique mental health needs. FHE Health's 30-day program equips first responders with the tools they need to be healthy and resilient in their jobs. Our trauma-based therapies and cutting-edge neurotechnologies relieve symptoms like insomnia and anxiety, teach healthy coping skills, and restore brain health faster. Our integrated approach addresses psychiatric and medical issues at the same time for comprehensive healing. Peer group therapy with other first responders provides an added layer of support and connection that boosts the recovery process. Need a hand packing for the next emergency? For better mental health and peak performance, call FHE Health at 833-776-1420. Online at FHEHealth.com. Return conversation with Janet Teague on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Janet is retired sheriff's sergeant from Montgomery County, Texas. She's also author of the book Bible and the Badges and one of the movers and shakers for Hope and Healing for Warriors. Their website is hopeandhealingforwarriors.com. Janet, before we went to break, you started talking about the, the job the Houston police did when they arrived on scene and the investigation. Before we talk about them, I want to go back to your mindset. You were just in a life and death situation and you were scared to death that you would be killed and you found help and then the police get called. So that's the short version of what happened. Take us to what happened once they arrived on scene. Well, you know, uh, I, I was traumatized by this this event and being forced by this 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 monster and and all the horror that was involved and and 
I was so fearful that he was going to take my life. And, and I discovered later on that, that this was a serial rapist. He was a monster and that I was actually not the first victim. I was victim number five from that same parking lot location. He, so, so he was stalking this, out victims in that parking lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this was um, just an, not a one-time thing. Uh, and his act did not change. There was a series of rapes from there. Was there so, more victims after you? Not that I'm aware of. I believe that he left the area and went to another area. Was he ever apprehended? You, obviously, you, you you know something about him because you say he was a monster. Do you know more about him? Was he charged? Uh, no, sir, he was not found, oh. but uh, th- there was a history uh, that I had found out through HPD that there was a series of rapes, uh, and he was uh, the same identifiable uh, suspect in uh, all of the ones that had happened before me. Did you find it, th- did they have a, a male officer or female officer respond first? Um, you know, um, it, it was male officers that, that I worked with in this case. Did and, you feel you know, it, it would have been easier to talk to female or did it make a difference? Or was it their, was it their approach that was a difference maker for you? You know, I, I was comfortable with, with, with their approach. Um, and, and they were very professional. Um, and I, you know, I'm just so thankful uh, that I was able to escape and so thankful that that it was handled in such a way. Um, and it helped me when I got into law enforcement uh, to work with, with victims of such crimes. Right. Yeah, that's a question I was going to get to a little bit later on. But before we, we go there. Uh, one of the things that we were taught, and, you know, it was so long ago, Janet, but one of the things we were taught to remind, that stays with me, is that we let the victim know that they're safe, that nothing is going to happen to them, uh, and that we have to get information, we have to get facts, and we have to try to get evidence uh, and, and do our best to pass that on, and, and hopefully the investigators will, will find the, the person. I actually spent months tracking down a serial rapist on my post when I was a rookie, and it took a long time to catch this guy, but eventually we did. And for me, it was very personal. As as the cop, it didn't happen to me. As the cop, I was very, very involved from day one that I wanted to find this person. You know, absolutely, because uh, those crimes will change your life forever. You'll never be the same. I, I can only imagine what the, the victims went through, the people that had this happen to them. And, but I was affected as being the investigator on the scene, being the law enforcement. Uh, so my, my hat's off to the ones who showed up. When you got all the, the, the rigmarole with the police and everything else done, and you're just, just left with you, were you adversely affected by this? And if so, how? Uh, absolutely, sir. You know, uh, uh, I couldn't sleep. Um, I uh, had such trauma, such PTSD that it affected me where I didn't want to go around uh, that location ever again. Uh, And when I was in my automobile and I pulled up to stop, um, I would look around and make sure that there was no one around me. Um, it, It affected me for the rest of my life. Um, and that's what happens when there is uh, trauma that is so intense. 
Yeah, there's the the time before and the time after. And the, I don't think we can ever go back to being the person we were before. Absolutely, sir. Well, this kind of motivated you to go into career in law enforcement, didn't it? Yes, sir, it did. You know, uh, um, I um, uh, wanted to use what happened to me to help others. And uh, I did. Just time after time after time, uh, the department used me uh, with, with rape crimes. And so I could actually talk to the victims and say, I understand. You know, uh, and I wasn't lying. I understood what they were, how they felt and what they had went through. The difference and so I, you like, I, I can't understand. I can only imagine. Yes, sir. It's, it's worse than any horror movie that you could ever have thought of watching. I'm glad just, you said that because it's not like TV. It, it, rape no. victims have been, in my experience, horribly brutalized horribly brutalized and i'm just i'm not talking about the sexual assault itself the the everything else that goes along with it it's a crime of extreme violence and you said earlier domination uh it was about power and control yes sir that's correct it was um and so it's it's just uh it's a horrible crime it is just uh, a horrible crime about uh, someone that, that wants control. Did you find that, well, first of all, did you have an interest in working in law enforcement before the attack? You know, um, I did. But, you know, um, I am uh, five foot one and uh, 105 pounds. And back then, uh, there was. Uh, um, that was not appropriate, and it took uh, a few years down the road before that changed. And so now uh, it's it's not common. I mean, it's you you see um, officers all the time now that are women, that are small, that yeah. are petite. Mm-hmm. We had some uh, but, one of my best friends, Maxine. May she rest in peace. She was like uh, maybe five foot one. And 95 pounds soaking wet, and she passed away from breast cancer. But she was a great cop, a great person, just a phenomenal person. And here's one of the questions I have for you. When when I got hired by Baltimore, you know, my first mindset, Janet, was am I physically and mentally tough enough to do this? Because it was a lot of violent crime. Uh, and I'm six foot, at that time, 180 pounds. I'm much heavier than that nowadays. But I could see where you're your your stature could play into it and the mindset of society at the time we are talking with janet teague janet is a retired montgomery county texas sheriff's sergeant before going to law enforcement she was abducted and raped and wrote a book bible and the badges and she's one of the movers and shakers for hope and healing for warriors their website is hope and healing for this is the law enforcement today's show we're going to take a short break we'll be right back Flintstone Media has been the digital messaging bedrock of several brands and businesses, serving as a highly resourceful podcast production house and consultancy firm for over six years. Work with a leader in the industry and add a new podcast to your brand's content offerings. From show development and setup through recording and distribution, Jemmy will lend her experience launching dozens of podcasts and producing over a thousand episodes, making creating your show a simple and easy turnkey process for you. Visit FlintstoneMedia.com for podcast samples. That's FlintstoneMedia.com. 
John discovered a cool new app, and he just can't put it down because it has millions of great podcasts, including Law Enforcement Today. So now you can listen anytime, anywhere, and also chat with John. It's called Podopolo. It's free on either app store, so join John there. Follow Law Enforcement Today and DM John when you do. That's Podopolo. Download it now. conversation with Janet Teague on the Law Enforcement Show. Janet is a retired Montgomery County, Texas Sheriff's Department Sergeant. And also, by the way, I stress Sergeant because I'm a retired Sergeant, and it's no walk in the park getting that rank. It's a tough rank. She's also author of the book Bible and the Badges, and one of the movers and shakers and founders of Hope and Healing for Warriors. Their website is hopeandhealingforwarriors.com. Janet, you, you talked about going shopping one day in the gross the, the, the mall parking lot you were abducted you were raped you were sexually assaulted you found help you got the police involved and then you had an interest in working in law enforcement but at the time due to your size you didn't feel right about it something obviously changed for you you know yes i did uh, you know i was able to for many years uh uh, in Aikido self-defense, and that gave me such confidence. I knew that I could take care of myself. But, you know, uh, um, I have scars, and I, my scars have a story. And so in the book, my it's a true-life story about my career in law enforcement, and it, it's about um, how brutally honest with frontline stories to some of the most dangerous and the worst situations that others, they just can't comprehend how we are running to the dangers and we are, we we find ourselves in a position to help um, because maybe someone is, is, is praying, send me someone to help. And sometimes we're the answer to that prayer. Absolutely. Sometimes, absolutely. My wife and I were watching something on Netflix the other day, Stranger Things of all things. And there's a line in there uh, by one of the characters, and he said, I thought I was going to die that night. And then he said, but it wasn't going to be that night. And, and immediately she looked at me, and she quoted something I said a long time ago about a guy who was trying to kill me in the line of duty. It's end of my career. And I said to her, I got the, the thought in my mind, this man's trying to kill me, and I'm going to die. But it's not going to be tonight, and it won't be because of him, and I'll do whatever it takes to survive. And Absolutely. she said that to me almost word for word, and she met me years after retiring from police work. She's probably the closest that understands that, and other cops too. Well, you know, um, that's what the book is all about, is is about helping not only police officers, not only helping the military and firefighters and first responders, but also helping their families because what happens to us affects our families. Yes, it does. And so I became an advocate for PTSD um, because um, anyone that has been through this kind of trauma in their families, they need help. I love police work, and I have a passion for it, for saving lives. And a lot of us, when we go through uh, what we go through into the field, we take for granted that we can't be exposed to all of what we are actually get exposed it's, it's to on a, a daily basis. It I, is. I, I wanted to ask you, in your career in law enforcement, you already had tremendous trauma from the abduction and rape. 
and then everything that you encounter in a career in law enforcement, did you find that to, to create more problems or were you, for lack of better words, were you already set up for negative effects of, of what you see and experience? You know, I, I, I was really okay and I was uh, just uh, favored in law enforcement and just uh, was promoted. And But there was a incident that uh, changed my life forever that I was on call on uh, where I had met someone and they actually uh, were, were murdered uh, after speaking with me. And so what happened was I think that um, changed my life even more. Tell us about that incident, if you can. Okay. Well, this was back in 1994, and I was on uniform patrol in a marked unit, and and um, I would stop at a, a particular location to get a cold drink because I would check on the female clerk that was there, and there had been a lot of recent crimes committed. And so uh, she introduced me to a female clerk that had just started working there that day, and she told me her name. We'll just call her Mrs. Smith and that she had requested a work transfer because her soon-to-be ex-husband was uh, um, just such a history of domestic violence and severe attacks on her. And so Smith told me that she had been separated for several months and that she had moved away uh, from their home and to her parents' home. And, and she said that her husband was a crack cocaine addict and that he had physically hurt her numerous times. And this had escalated into death threats where if she didn't reconcile. And so she actually pulled out her wallet and she showed me his photo. But not only that, she showed me pictures of their two young children. And she believed that... Uh, he didn't know where she was at, um, and that she she was concerned about me. She 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 was so concerned. She would say, "Please be careful." And and you know, it's she told me that her older sister had died a year ago on that very day. It was the anniversary of her sister's death, and so we were able to talk for several minutes. And her demeanor was calm, and she she came across as is. Um, just being so uh, concerned about me more so than herself. And so I told her that I would be passing this information on to the sheriff's department and that I'd be staying close by. And then I advised both her and, and the manager there that to call 911 if, if, if he arrived or was seen in the area. And I left the location and was going to circle the area and, and watch for the suspect, but it was within two to three minutes that I was dispatched to a call of an armed robbery in progress at that location, and dispatch had advised that the subject had came to the counter and reached inside his pants and pulled out a shiny revolver, and dispatch said one clerk had been taken into the storage room at gunpoint, and the other was kneeling behind the counter, whispering on the phone. And I arrived there just so quickly in less than two minutes on the scene, and I didn't observe that there were any vehicles there. And when I entered the store, I had my weapon drawn, and the manager was behind the counter, and she was pointing to the back store room, whispering that she'd heard two shots. And I continued to the storage room where I observed that, that, we'll say her name is Mrs. Smith, lying on the floor, and she'd been fatally shot in the head. 
and the suspect later identified as her husband was also lying on the floor and he had shot himself in the head and the gun was lying next to the subject and and, and it, it was horrible yeah. that she had been taken at gunpoint in the storage room and so I didn't and this sleep is by well. someone supposedly loved them that, that, that's the thing you know as cops Absolutely. we dealt with this all the time and the frustration and not having any power to change things and sometimes we couldn't get the victims to, to take the appropriate action to, to get the person jailed and they wound up going back to them and they wound up getting beaten some more injured some more and in some cases killed and it's a horrifying thing to go through Absolutely. And, you know, um, I didn't sleep well for a while. And, you know, I, I was wishing that why couldn't I have stopped him? And I was heartbroken, but I still put my uniform on for my shifts. Yeah. And I carried I, I a lot that. of weight. I carried a lot of weight and burden from this incident. One of the things and, that we did that I'm sure you did, too, is look, we'd critique ourselves. And sometimes we get help from the, the senior officers, what you could do better. And But I'd always go through my head. I could have done this. I could have done that. I should have done this. And it's a way of getting better at what you do. However, there is a, a very negative side of that where it can easily get into guilt. I should have done this. If I'd done that, this would have happened. If this would have happened, then that would have happened. And here's the, the end result. I'm not Superman. I don't have a magic cape, and I'm not God. I can't change other people. All I can do is do what I can do. We are talking with Janet Teague on the Law Enforcement Today Show. There's so much more to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. Ever miss an episode of the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show? Never fear. You can sign up for our free email newsletter and get access to past podcast episodes. Plus, all subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign up area. That's letradioshow.com. We promise we will never spam you. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Return conversation with Janet Teague on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Janet is a retired police sergeant, or I should say retired sheriff sergeant from Montgomery County, Texas Sheriff's Department. She was abducted and raped before becoming a law enforcement officer. She's author of the book Bible and the Badges, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And also one of the founders, movers and shakers of Hope and Healing for Warriors. Their website is hopeandhealingforwarriors.com. Before we went to break, Janet, you're talking about the frustration and that's a, that's a very poor word for the feelings to go through, but you weren't able to prevent the death of this woman. She was murdered at the hands of so-called someone who loved her, her ex-husband. I don't particularly like the term domestic violence. I think it sugarcoats a lot of the, the violence and crime that we see, but that's just my own personal opinion. When you were done, when this was over, you said I put, up my, put on my uniform and kept going to work and doing my job. That's what people see on the outside. What was happening on the inside? So you know what 
officers get exposed to it, it'll stick with us. It, it, it some agencies we we just keep going from call to call to call, and we're not really able to process or cope with that last incident because we're just going to another incident. And so, um, you know, uh, what's what's on our minds? We're we're always trying to be on high alert. We're always thinking that we're in unsafe zone, and we're we're looking as others at as maybe their potential threats. And, you know, um, that causes PTSD. Most people do not look at us the same way as they did many years ago. And, you know, something needs to happen, I believe, to give more people the idea of what happens in our lives. Were you starting to self-destruct? Were you starting to exhibit behavior you didn't like or people in your family didn't like? You know, I, I actually did go through some uh, rough times, and I'm, I'm very thankful that there were so many people to help me. And so uh, right now is absolutely the best time of my life, you know, because uh, I ended up going through uh, seminary, and it changed me. It changed me to where now I'm able to use what happened to me to help other people. And, and what, I guess what I'm getting at, and this is kind of probing, things must not have been going great for you. There must have been some difficulty along the way. And that prompted you to do things differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. That That is what happens to law enforcement when we go through these types of incidents and calls you know it causes it changes us it changes us forever we're not the same people no no we're not and and my wife has gotten really good at at seeing the signs of me and you know one of the things i learned in my journey janet was that i had to learn how to take care of myself and i had to get a lot of help from a lot of people and a big part of what i do is religious based it's spiritual based or whatever term people want to use but i found that i could not get better without help uh, so you said you went to seminary, and, and your mission began to change. Your mission started going more towards how you can use your past experience to help other people. Am I correct? Absolutely. And, you know, that's why I wrote the book about showing the toll that's on the police job and that it shows that we have a human side that's behind our badge, that's behind our, our uniform. And, and, you know, we are willing to put on our, our uniforms and, and we're willing to put our lives on the line every single day. But we don't talk about these things that are taking a toll. We put up fronts. We're okay that, that nothing's wrong with us, that we're not weak. But, you know, PTSD isn't about what's wrong with you. It's about what happened to you. And so my husband and I started a ministry called Hope and Healing for Warriors. Before we get into that, tell us more about your book. What is the name of the book? Yes, the book is uh, The Bible and the Badges. And so um, my goal was uh, providing an avenue for individuals to have that have had trauma to have someone to reach out to. And a lot of people think that they don't have anyone to talk to and they don't have any place to turn. And they, sometimes they don't want anyone to think that they're weak, but you know, PTSD isn't about what's wrong with you. It's about what happened to you. 
and you know, um, um, this book is currently uh, number one. Uh, it's been number one for I want to say going into the sixth week. And there are people that are contacting me from all over the world. And is it, um, it's not just about your story; it's about a collection of other people's stories. Um, it, it is about my story, and it's about uh, what happened to me, a couple of things that we uh, have already discussed, uh, but it also talks about how I used that uh, and my husband and, and uh, another minister also to uh, start a ministry, Hope and Healing for Warriors, and to help people find the strength to make some connections and to change their lives. That's phenomenal. Hope and Healing for Warriors. Where can people get more information about that? Yes, um, they can get uh, information about that at uh, Christian Faith Publishing. uh, And the book is uh, at Amazon.com. And uh, also uh, on Facebook um, and also through HopeAndHealingForWarriors.com. Can they reach out to you right there? Absolutely, they can. So I want to paraphrase this. In addition to all the things you went through in law enforcement, and there's quite a bit that people don't see. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, Hollywood doesn't do a very good job of portraying the accuracy of what happens. But you had the prior experiences, the prior trauma of being abducted and raped and fear for your life before going into law enforcement. And then compound that with all the things you saw. Do you think that your combined experiences before the abduction or rape in law enforcement, the reactions after, your training afterwards, is, is that preparing you to help other people in ways that others can't? Absolutely. Because, you know, um, I serve as a chaplain for both MCSO and in Justice Court, JP1, and I'm happy to serve the employees and the public given the opportunity. Uh, but, you know, there's confidentiality uh, issues, and so I'm not able to specifically be a spokesperson for chaplaincy. But you know, uh, because of my experience in law enforcement and what happened to me, additionally, uh, I'm I'm there to help the public in a, in a way that uh, um, they they need help. And it, even if we use the buddy system where, you know, uh, with an officer where, where we're just there to be there with them and not say anything. Sometimes they just need someone to be there to help them. Absolutely. And now I want to change directions. If you have a chance right now to tell people, hey, this is what you should do when someone has been a victim of, of a sexual assault or rape, what would you tell them? What's the one thing that America's not getting? You know, uh, if they are a victim of sexual assault or rape, or if they know someone that's a victim, it should be reported because there's help out there for them. The, the help that we're not getting, and we talked earlier in the conversation that there's a judgmentalism that occurs, that either they are quick to believe the person or they're quick to blame them. If they'd done something different, this never would have happened. Uh, what's your response to that? Well, you know, um, that, that's common. That is so common with, with rape victims that, you know, they feel like, well, had I not been at this location or had I not been wearing this or, you know, they, they, the, the blame, they, it, it 
for some reason, they blame themselves when it's not their fault. No, it, it never was. It is not their fault. It never was. No. And, and it, we, we as a society need to do the same thing. We're wrapping up a conversation with Janet Teague. Janet, thanks so much for telling your story. I know it's very difficult. She was abducted and raped. Uh, and then went into a career in law enforcement. She is a retired Montgomery County, Texas Sheriff's Department sergeant and also author of the book Bibles and the Badges and one of the movers and the shakers for Hope and Healing for Warriors. The website is hopeandhealingforwarriors.com. Janet, thanks again for your service and thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you, sir, for having me. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.